Let's look at John chapter 14. Oh, Lord, thank you for family. Thank you for community. Thank you for jokes. You're so amazing, Lord. We thank you that you're the one that reveals the word to us, Holy Spirit. And so we ask, that's what we ask, that you would bring just deep revelation of your word to us. Yes, in Jesus' name we always pray. In the name of Jesus. Amazing. All right. So uh, if you got the email, I titled this message, God's Love Language. Uh, Something I've thought about for years and years and years. And John and I, King, we've talked about that. We've had conversations and other folks and I just, over the course of, you know, looking over Daniel, it's been pretty intense for the last several weeks. Um, this has just been something that continues to be on my heart. And I even recently saw someone who I just really respect, uh, a great, great man of God, just kind of talk about this. And like, how do we respond to God in love? What's the greatest command? You guys remember what the greatest command is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So if that is the greatest command our response to that command is, I mean, probably the most important thing about us, honestly, right? Have we, thought, have we asked ourselves, how does God desire us to respond? So I thought about the whole love. Who's taken a love language test or read that book, Gary Chapman, like a lot of folks have here, right? <clears throat> okay. It was anyone, did it, was it fairly accurate? Did it feel fairly accurate for most of you? For me, it may not be 100%. It may not be accurate at all for some of you. But the one thing that it brought to my attention was people receive love differently. I, I mean, like, that's like kind of a principle I can draw out of that, right? Like, I had never really thought, and I've talked a little bit about this with y'all, but that my wife might receive love different than the way that I receive love. And so I know I've shared this, but my big one is quality time. I love some quality time. I was actually thinking about, where's, where's Matt at? Is he running around? Oh, oh, there he is. Matt, I was thinking about this. <clears throat> By the way, since Matt hasn't had a job, he is doing a lot of work around here, and it looks great. He, he has done, yes. He is, I, he is often found multiple days a week cleaning out Taylor Place 1, moving stuff into the shed. If you go look in the, where the pantry was in there, it looks like an entirely different room. Thank you, Matt. But my point also, not only giving Matt props because he's doing awesome, but my love language isn't acts of service. So Matt, though I'm so excited about what he's doing, man, I'm like, hype, yeah, all right, man, I don't have to do that. That's pretty awesome. My love tank isn't filled, Matt, you don't fill my love tank with that. But you know what fills my love tank, Matt? When we sit out there for 30 minutes or an hour and just talk. And then I, then I, then I feel like I'm loved by you. But that's the reality, right? Like, that's, that's how I receive love. Now, my wife, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. Like, hers is active service, and it's all about perception and how we receive things. So I can spend all day with her, and we can be doing all these great things. We can go to the park and have this lovely date and all this stuff, and my love tank is full, man. It's awesome. Yeah, my wife loves me. My wife loves me, and we're doing great. But if I do that, and then she goes home, and the house is a disaster, and I go sit in my rear end and do nothing, all of that having fun, she's going to feel unloved, because she's going to say, you don't care about me, and you don't care about my feelings, because now I've got to do all this stuff, and you're not helping me out. Right, babe? I mean, like, literally, all that great time together. But that's because she receives love differently. And that's cool, and that's okay. So I've asked myself, and, you know, I think a lot of us have, how does God receive love? Does God have this, uh, at least a woven theme, I think absolutely woven, 
a thread throughout all of Scripture, from Old Testament to New, to New Testament, something that is very consistent about how we are to respond to God's love. How does God love us? Grace, mercy. God, lo- God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? A redemption. I can go- he pours and showers these things on us, but God says, but there's now a way for us to respond and show him that we love him. He tells us. So we receive his grace and mercy, and then how does he desire us to respond to him? It's really clear, and I think it's hugely important because sometimes we like to give love the way we want to receive love. You know, some, let me give an example. If, my, if, if we went on that quality time and I go back home and, man, the house is a mess and I'm not helping her, but I go grab my guitar and I say, oh, baby, I love you. You're the best. Meow, 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 meow. She's going to say, put that stupid guitar away and help me clean up if you love me. But sometimes we treat God like that. God's saying this or that, oh, God, I love you. And like, are you, are you, are you responding in love the way I've asked for you to respond? That's, you know, funny, and yet it's real, right? God says, I mean, we can go back and we can read what he tells the Israelites. I mean, in Isaiah 1, he's like, I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of your festivals. I'm tired of your new moons. I'm tired of all this stuff. You know, go and, and uh, seek justice. Defend the widow. Defend the poor. You know what I mean? Like, that's uh, Isaiah chapter 1. So God's saying, look, I've told you to do all these things. It would be like saying, I'm sick of your church services. I'm tired of hearing your songs. Do what I told you to do. <laughs> it's just the reality. It's the same thing as Larissa. I'm tired of hearing you sing to me. Stop making up songs. And then you ain't doing what I told you to do, right? So now, let's just, let's rock and roll. Not, not, not literally. John 14, I'm going to start in verse 12 so that we can get some context. <clears throat> John 14 and 15 is huge into sharing this. Excuse me if I burped a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> if I spit on you, I tell you. Like, I don't like that weirdness. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, oh, man, I wonder if they notice that I spit on their cheek. I just say it. Um, and if you didn't hear it, then, hey, there you go. It's on the recording. Go back and listen to the podcast and rewind very quick. Listen, turn it up all the way. Uh, in context, Philip is saying, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. And, 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 and Jesus is having this moment where he's like, Philip, how can you say that? How can you even say that, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, verse 12, he says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, greater works, will the, greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So, hey, listen, Philip, you're going to do even greater works. But it's really interesting, too, that he says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. You know, we are called to do the works that Jesus did, right? You guys understand that. A disciple is not above his teacher. Our goal as disciples of Jesus is to look like Jesus. So he says you will. He even goes crazy, like says this amazing thing that we'll even do greater works. Then in verse 13 he says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus is saying, listen to, your, to the disciples. Hey, listen, I'll do whatever you ask. Why? So that the Father is glorified in me. And in verse 14 he says, and if you, if in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. I love that passage, right? Now what does he say next? Because sometimes we stop right there. And actually this next verse almost feels out of place. Like if you just kind of are reading through it casually, like, okay, he's talking about like believing in, and trusting in him and, and walking in, in the ways that he walked and doing the things that he did and seeing that he is, you know, the, fa- the father and him are one. And then he says in verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Like, 
Think about that. So God's saying, like, it would be like Larissa saying, John, if you love me, clean up. God is telling us, if you love me, do what I say. Do what I say. I think that's really powerful. And I wonder sometimes if maybe we don't get the stuff ahead in verse 13 to 14 about asking anything and all this stuff because we're really not walking with him and doing what he says. You know what I mean? What if we were walking in him and doing what he was saying? I wonder what we would ask for. We might ask for things that he would rather us ask for. But then that's sandwiched in between verse 16 that says, and now ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. So if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and then I will do this and I'll give you the I'll give you the advocate, right? So the reception of the Holy Spirit also has to do with us. And here's the thing. A lot of people have been burnt by this idea of following obedience, right? I have had many men and women who I love, who I think do really love the Lord, flat out to my face say, I do not like that word. I don't like the word obedience. Um, And most of the time it has to do with when I've asked a rigid cold-hearted, harsh, mostly, honestly, if they're real, following the traditions of man (laughs) rather than actually doing what Jesus said to do. And because they've grown up in a tradition or have some kind of background with that, like they don't like that word. And I would just say, hey, listen, it's all over the Bible and it's the way that we're to respond to God. It's a huge, it's this huge. So if you don't like it, well, then you can talk to God about it. But it's, it's, it's the reality. It's, it's the reality. Because I'll just, I'll, let's just, I'm not going to go through everything here. I'm going to skip down to verse 21. Be like the Bereans. Read this whole thing. Make sure what I'm saying is true. Seriously, read all 14, all 15. It's really rich. Um, I'm sure many of you read it. Just read it again. Think through this. But verse 21 says, They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. Right? He doesn't say those who say Jesus is Lord are those who love me. Okay? He says, those who love me are those who have my commandments and keep them. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Isn't that interesting? Well, I thought God loved everybody. In a sense, he does. God, for God so loved the world. What? God so loved the world, he gave his only son. There's obviously a deeper place to abide in the love of the Father. And that is, how, do, how does that happen? It is through obeying, to walking in what God has called. See, if you go back to the garden, what was the original sin? It was disobedience to God. We can talk about not, not trusting in God. We can talk about pride. We can talk about all these things. But ultimately, they, God, they disobeyed what God said. And if we begin to have the mind shift and, like, the paradigm shift to recognize everything that God speaks, like, there's a good reason. He doesn't just come up with ideas and commands just like, oh, let me do that for fun. Like, there's good reasons behind them. I, as a parent, we don't just go tell our kids. We don't say, go jump so we can see how high you jump, right? We tell them things because we love them. Because we love them, we're like, hey, watch out for this. Hey, you should do this. And then they don't listen to us, and we go, told you so, you know, like my parents did to me. You're wrong, Mom and Dad. Shoot, they, they were right again, like almost right 100%. It's almost like 100% accuracy, isn't it? It's pretty fun, though. It's pretty fun when you get to be a parent and watch your kids do the same thing. Be like, oh, I told you. I told you. I don't mind. You know that you're right most of the time when you're dealing with your kids. I'm not saying all the time, but you probably, if you want to boost your own ego, there you go. Have some teenagers. Anyway, and, and if you have some controversy as well to go with that, eventually they'll come around. They may be 20 when they come around and go, shoot, you were right about that. 
They may be 30 when they come around. <laughs> 40. <laughs> that's right. Then they have to have their own teenager for the, oh, shoot, that's what you were talking about, mom and dad. Eventually, they'll probably come around. Maybe you'll get to gloat from your grave, but I don't know. Anyways, I've totally sidetracked and don't even know what I'm talking about right now. All right, those who have my commandments and keep, okay, those how we abide in love. And then it says at the end of that, I love this, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. So if we want a deeper revelation of who Jesus is, then we do what he tells us to do. Whenever we follow what he says and we obey his commandments, we are becoming like him. And we are having a deeper revelation. We get a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. So this is really important. In verse 23, uh, Jesus answers a question by Judas um, about how you're going to reveal how you're going to reveal yourself to us, but not the world. And Jesus answers. He says, "Those who love me will keep my word." So he's saying it a different way, but he continues to reiterate this. Look, if you love me, you will keep my word, and my Father will love them. So basically, what he's already said. And then this beautiful picture of, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Do you want God, Jesus, and the Father to make their home with you? He says, if, if, you, if you love me, you're going to keep what I say. And as you keep what I say, me and the Father are going to make our home with you. Isn't that beautiful? I'm going to keep going through this a little bit. But the, the reason I've just, this is so heavy on my heart um, is because I feel like, like, the church has an obedience issue. I'm not saying Stones River. I'm talking about the church overall. We have an obedience issue. Like, we've, we got this idea that being a good Christian is going to church on Sunday or singing a few songs or reading the Bible a few times or whatever. Walking as a disciple and a follower of Jesus is about, a, is about becoming like him and walking in everything that he said. This is, this is our call. This is a deep call. And I think the world sees a superficial kind of love the way that we are, su- yeah, superficial love the way we operate oftentimes. But they're looking for something real. Verse 24 is, is sobering when it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So saying if, you're, if we're not doing what Jesus said, then we don't love him. It would be like my wife saying, if you don't clean up, you really don't love me, Johnny. Guess what? She'd be right. Because what is love? Love is selfless. <laughs> it's not selfish. If I'm going to let her do all the work around the house and sit around on my lazy behind, I don't really love my wife and care for her. I might say it. But I would tell myself, you're a hypocrite. You're a liar, dude. Don't act like you love, love her and you won't do anything because you for her. You're kind of doing your own thing. I think unknowingly, and sometimes it's just ignorance. I think unknowingly we do that to God. We just like, thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and all these things that you're giving me and all this stuff. And then, like, we don't reciprocate. We don't show him how much we love him by doing these things. Um, whoever does not love me, Excuse me, whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, it's the, it is from the Father who sent me. So we know that the words that Jesus has spoken come directly from the Father, right? We know the commands that Jesus gave come directly from the Father, because he walked in perfect obedience to the Father. Let's look at uh, chapter 15 and go a little bit more. Um, let's go to, I'm just going to, so for a little context, this is the, the, the vine and the branches, right? Jesus saying that I am the vine. You are the branches, right? In order for us to bear fruit and to be fruitful, we have to abide, to remain in Jesus. Jesus is the one that gives us our fruit, our sustenance. He gives us everything. And verse 8 says, My fathers glorify this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. So the Father receives glory whenever we bear fruit 
and we become his disciples. What does he mean by bear fruit? That's a really good question for this and a whole nother, whole, whole nother message. You know, immediately a lot of people will say love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and there's some truth to that. But in this very, in the book of John, Jesus uses the term bearing fruit in John chapter 4, and it's in reference to the harvest. Reference to going out and reaping the harvest and gathering fruit. Fruit that lasts, right? So God's glorified by this. What is he, what's the first command in all of Scripture? Be fruitful and do what? Multiply. So are we multiplying God in us and other people? I would just ask that question. Because I think that's a big part of what it means to bear fruit. <clears throat> and then verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I, that's incredible, isn't it not? At ju- like just as the Father has loved Jesus, Jesus loves us. Unbelievable. Abide in my love. So now we have a call. Like, I've loved you just like my Father loves me, but now I have something for you to do. I need you to stay in my love. And then he says how we actually do that. So it's, it, he doesn't say we go, Jesus loves me, oh yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why do you, what, what is wrong with you, babe? You don't like that? <laughs> She's over here, like, r- distracting me. All tickled. You don't like when I sing like that to you, baby. <coughs> he gives us the, the answer for this. He says, to, how do we abide in his love? If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Right? So we enter into God's love. And again, this is, for some people, this sounds really like, oh, man, John, are you getting all works-based? And are you, you know, are you, you know, oh, man, I don't, I don't know about this. I'm just reading the scriptures. You know what I mean? That's what I love about reading the scriptures. You just read them and do it, and it just says what it says. I didn't say this. Jesus says this stuff, right? And we're just kind of looking through this. And I'm not getting work-based. It's just the fruit of our love is, res- is responding to God by doing these things. Again, <clears throat> if, I t- if I just, I can't just say that I love my wife. If I actually love her, I will, do, I, will, I will do these things. This should be exciting for us, right? If you keep my commandments, you will. So we should be like, heck yeah, I can't wait to abide in the love of God. What did you say to do, Jesus? That should be our response. <laughs> I love you. What? Uh, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus isn't asking us to do something he hasn't done. He's saying, follow me. That's what he originally asked his disciples. He said, follow me. I'm going to show you how to walk in, in obeying God and his commandments, reversing what happened in the garden when we walked in disobedience. I, that's why one of the reasons I think we struggle with disobedience, I think that old man or woman wants to rise back up and say, no, uh-uh. But he says, just as I've done that, right? And then I love verse 11. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. He's telling us to obey God and abide in him so that we can be filled with joy right? It doesn't always mean things are going to go great. You know, Jesus, the Hebrew says, for the joy that was stood before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Like, Jesus went through a horrific death, but even though he went through a horrific death, he had the joy of God in him as he went through, went through that. I wonder if some of us are struggling with joy because we're not walking in obedience, and we're kind of doing our own thing, and ah. Uh, Will we, will we do what God calls us to do? And then verse 12 gives us even more insight into what he's saying. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So a big part of God's heart is, y'all, that we actually love one another. Well, what is, again, what does love look like, right? Like, it's easy to go, I love you, Mom. 
That's so easy. I can say that to anybody. But what does it actually look like? He shows us in verse 13. He says, no greater love is this than to lay one's life down for one's friends. Like, love is entirely selfless. Love is caring about each and every one of us and building one another up. Like, and I'm at, like, as I say this, like, it's easy to get this in my mind or nice sermon, but like, how are we actually doing it? That's the question, right? If we're called to love one another up, to edify one another, it, how are you intentionally doing that in the church? Tell me. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm asking myself this question. Like, it's so good. And there's times I'm like, Lord, I have to repent because I don't know how I'm doing that. Like, how am I being intentional and consistent with, with doing what you call me to do? How am I loving my wife? How am I loving my kids? You know, how am I loving, you know, my neighbors? And that's part of this thing that God has me going through right now. I, I, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going back through, and I've done this kind of things before. I'm actually, I want to go through the whole Bible, but I'm going right now back through the Gospels. I'm writing down, what did Jesus command? How am I actually living it out? consistently, and if I'm not, how can I start to do that? Everything, right? Be super giving. Okay, how have I been super giving? With my money, I'll just say that. I mean, we, can, we always like, oh, I'll give my time. That's good. I'm glad to you give your time. But with, you know what I mean? Like, how are we doing that? Like, you know, how am I, Jesus says, whenever you throw a banquet, invite people that can't pay you back. How have I ever done that in my life? Or is that an area of disobedience? Here's the thing. I'm not sitting around beating myself up about it. I'm excited, like, oh, wow, here's a new way to obey Jesus and what he said to do. Like, seriously, I love it. Like, I'm like, oh, you know what? I've never done that. God, thank you for showing me that. It's a whole new way to read the scriptures. You know what I mean? Whenever you begin to read it like that and you're thinking through, man, okay, I'm reading this. God, literally, practically, how can I do what you told me to do? It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, there's this, uh, a lady that went through our disciple-making training recently, and not bragging about our disciple-making training because I can give you a bunch of people who did nothing with it. So <laughs> I'm just being real. But, you know, occasionally you find that person that the Lord does something and really speaks to their heart. Um, she's 75 years old, all right? So, yes, you can teach an older dog new tricks. A little older. Just a little. I know. It's a little older. Right. 75 years young. Hey, 75 is not what it used to be. Tell you what. You should have seen Don Finto up here at 91 years old at the Shavuot thing. That guy was like, I'm like, I mean, he's just, he's ready to go. I'm like, I like that. That's what I, Lord, that's what I want. 75 years old, has this revelation, been in church forever, like for just for a very long time. She's taught Sunday school and done all these things. She has this revelation of obedience to God. Like she has never really thought about it like that. Like for the most part, the Bible has been a textbook, and you read it, and you study it, and whoever knows the most gets to be the Sunday school teacher, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And if you really know a lot and go to college, you could maybe be a preacher, you know. You know, only if you're a man, though, just kid, you know, depending on your tradition, right? I just, I'm making fun of that, right? I'm making, <clears throat> but anyways, so she gets this revelation and immediately starts a group. Um, it's like most of them are, were believers, but this, it's a group of ladies that are getting together and we've talked to her and said, all right, if you start a group of believers, be missional about it. Like have, do, have that deep rooted community and let's like, we'll just focus on simple obedience to Jesus. It's so cool to watch because she's like going, you know what? This lady, her I will statement was, I'm going to go bake cookies and give them to my neighbors because I don't really spend much time with my neighbors and Jesus told me to be a light. <laughs> So I'm going to go, and I'm going to engage my neighbors. 
right? And she did it, which is so cool, right? Well, she's having this Bible study at church. And as she's having a Bible study at church, the lady who's, in, who's leading the group is with a bunch of other ladies. And she says, we're sitting here and we're reading the word, and I have this sobering moment where I go, we already know all the answers. Like, I, I, she's been at church forever. We know that you know the answer, you know the answer, you know the answer. What are we doing with the answer? She said, I literally, I began to weep. And I said, we're gorging on the word while they're starving. That there are people, everyone's not starving for the word. But there are people in our city and our workplaces that are starving, and we're just gorging on it. Like, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. I come to get fed. I need to get fed. I need to get fed. Well, how, what are we doing? And, like, if we were thinking about that very practically, what would it look like for Jesus to walk in, and we're sitting out here having a degum feast, and there's homeless people and people that are struggling out there. We're just doing nothing. And we're just like, man, just pull up a seat, Jesus, and grab a chicken leg, turkey leg. Right? But she, it, it was just so sobering for her. And now she's, like, reaching out to this lady who was a, a murderer to ask, ask if she wants to help her in jail start DBS groups, like teach her how to do, like make disciples. Let's just say that. Teach her how to make disciples. 75 years old, been in church forever. Boom, revelation. Hey, we're supposed to actually do what it says. And then now she's so filled with joy. Like, she's like, I, I don't know why it took so long for me to recognize this. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's not easy. There's challenges to it, but man, like I finally feel like I've come alive. Isn't that cool? I love it. I'm going to read a couple more things real quick. Hebrews chapter 5 gives us uh, this window into Jesus' obedience that I love. Um, I'll read, start in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 to give it a little bit of context again. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up uh, prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. So when Jesus... In the David's flesh, we know this. We even saw we saw this in the garden. He's offering up loud <coughs> prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Right? Okay. So he's offering up prayers to the Father, knowing the Father could save him, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. All right. So he was heard, depending on your translation, your piety. He was heard because he was obedient to God and he was yielded to what God wanted. So here's that's that's something. Like if we want our prayers to be heard, maybe that this whole idea of it connecting with us, obeying him and stuff like that actually means something. But verse eight in Hebrews chapter five, although he was a son, okay, and a lot of people that don't like disobedience sometimes are the um, identity people. We're a son of God, not a daughter of God, and all this stuff. This says literally, even though he was a son, great. I'm glad that you're a son. I am glad. So was Jesus, even though he was a son, although he was a son. He learned obedience. So Jesus learned obedience himself. How do you like that, right? How did he learn obedience? Through what he suffered, right? Having been, uh, having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. How is he the source of, who is he the source of eternal salvation for? For everyone who does what? Who obey him, right? It's those who walk and, and do what he's called us to do what he did. But Jesus learned, and this is big because I think oftentimes uh, we don't like doing things that are uncomfortable. Who likes doing things that are uncomfortable? This shows us that Jesus learned obedience through doing things that were very uncomfortable, right? I don't know if that lady that went and baked cookies and went to her neighbors was super excited about that. But she got a revelation in Scripture that I need to be a light and I don't know my neighbors. And so feeling like I need to do something. She may have been shaking. She may have been afraid. But she's learning how to be obedient through, su- through challenges, through difficulties, right? Now, Jesus' sufferings were a whole lot worse than that. 
But that was a big revelation for me to recognize that when we're learning how to do things, it's not always going to be like candy and balloons and cotton candy and candy canes. I don't know. I'm going to come up with everything. It's not going to be like Jesus learned obedience through actually like going through difficult things and sticking with a following God through that, right? It's actually good. It's exciting for me because sometimes I wonder, man, am I doing what you want? God, this is really hard. Anyone ever had that happen? God, you just seem so far away. This is really hard. Well, it's okay. Jesus, same thing for Jesus, right? He went, God called him to do difficult things. I mean, go read Hebrews chapter 11, right? Abraham, go. Leave your whole family. Go. Someone, someone recently asked me today to, this week, says, I think you should go move to L.A. and do DMM. And I'm like, well, if God wants me to, I'll do it. You know what I mean? But will we, right? Like, I mean, of course we will. He's going to have to give Larissa, like, a super big revelation on that one, right? <laughs> and a lot of extra money for us. I'm just kidding. But that's the question, right? Like, like but are we, like, are, are we willing? God doesn't call us all to do that. You know what I mean? I'm still here, you know. But, like, are we willing, you know, to do those things that God called Abraham to do? Like, Noah builds this ark and looks ridiculous. Like, God calls people to do things that are hard and not easy, but they're always good. They're ultimately good. It may be hard on us, but imagine, what if we spend hours? What if we have, get rejected by people and people don't like us, but people that would burn forever in hell are rescued into the kingdom of God? I know. Now, we don't like to talk about that very much, but I'm just being real. I can't imagine how awful that is, but Jesus did that for us. <laughs> Jesus knew the path that we were heading. He's like, you know, I care about them so much, I'll have this horrible, bloody death to rescue people from that, right? It's amazing what he did, and we get to be called to do the same thing. Uh, I'm just going to read one more thing. Um, I'm going to read a little Matthew, uh, the end of Matthew chapter 28. And the reason I'm going to read this to end this morning is because if we take this and begin to practically apply this, I mean, one of the very first things I would say to do is start reading the scriptures and asking yourself, how am I intentionally and consistently doing what Jesus has told me to do here, right? If we, if we as a church did this together, think of the light that we would be to our community. I'm just going to be real. If we literally started reading what Jesus said to do <laughs> and we started impl- like getting together and say, hey, hey guys, let's try this or let's do this or I have this neighbor this or this and we started to do these things and we, would, we might actually look like that church in Acts where they, people were coming from all around and people were you know, getting healed and amazing things. They saw all these great things. But, so I would, I would encourage us to start in that place. And the reason I want to read Matthew 28 is because one thing that will come up is people will say, well, which things am I supposed to obey? Like, have you ever has, uh, uh, like, well, he, Jesus gave this to the disciples. So is that for me or is it for the disciples? Right? That's a really great question to ask. Um, Jesus also has things like go and tie that colt. Like, okay, so I'm going to go and tie a colt and say, Jesus, I did it because you told the disciples. That was, a, that was a direct command for something specific, but a real thing, Right? Like, these things that he's telling his disciples, we should, we should, hopefully we can set this to rest with Matthew 28 at the end of it. Hopefully. Some people might still argue. It's okay. Matthew 28, 18, we've read this a hundred times. We, most of us have it memorized. Hey, actually, as we go through this, let's ask ourselves if we're being obedient to it. So we, most of us, have, most of us has this, have this memorized, but let's ask ourselves. We can put it into practice, right? Cool. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. 
therefore make disciples. So first of all, he doesn't say stay, or he doesn't say sit in the boat and hope the fish jump in. <laughs> he says go. Like, so we can ask, this is really cool though, like again, we can just beat ourselves up and go home crying, or we can say, God, this is such a cool revelation. I'm going to walk in this because I love you and I want to show you how much I love you. And I know that you love it when I do that. You know, I just ugh, I love it. So God, how am I going? Or how as a community are we going? You know, because this is not just individual. How are we going? All right. Who, who, who are we making disciples of? Let's ask ourselves, when was the last time, who are the people in our lives that we really are making disciples of Jesus? Right? Um, of who? All nations, all people groups. So how are we doing that among different people groups as a community, right? It's really cool. There's tons of people groups around here in Murfreesboro, just right here in our backyards, all kinds all over the place. So are we walking? Are we going? Are we being intentional? Are we being intentional about making disciples and are we making them uh, among different people groups, you know, sharing this message? Different people are called more to different people groups and stuff, but that's why I'm, I'm asking this communally. Baptism. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. When was the last time you baptized somebody, right? When was the last time we baptized somebody? See, when I, when I, when I first saw this like this, I was like, I was freaking out because I'm like, no, preachers are the only ones that can baptize. Like, I remember the first time I baptized someone, I was like, God, does that count? Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm in a pool and I'm thinking, Lord, don't electrocute me. Don't send me the lightning bolt. No, I'm serious. Like, I was literally like, does that count, God? And I kept reading through scriptures, and I go, dang it, there's no qualifications for baptism. I, can't, I haven't seen one in the scripture. I see for elders. I see qualifications for deacons. I don't see qualifications for who baptizes. And so I learned in my life, I was like, there's an area of disobedience that I have because I haven't, I haven't been baptizing people like Jesus called us to do. Um, and then this is the reason I actually brought this up, not just to, to look at this as an example. But verse 20 says, and teaching them to obey everything, what? That I commanded you. So if Jesus commanded the disciples to do it, what were the disciples to do? To teach all of us to obey what what? God told them to do. So if he gives it to the disciples, wouldn't that mean that that's for us? Because <laughs> if they were doing what he said and actually obeying, the, they would take all this stuff that Jesus has taught them and they would teach us, teach us, teach us. So I, it, for me, I have tons of peace to go, yes, when Jesus tells the disciples, of course he's telling me that because he told them to teach all that I commanded. And that's another thing. Are we doing that, right? All, all, like, which is a huge deal, right? Are we, are we teaching our kids, like, how to obey all that Jesus commanded? Are we just leaving out things that are uncomfortable? You know what I mean? That's, that's one thing I like about This is a step of obedience for me because this is kind of uncomfortable sometimes to think about, but, like, real. But, like, Jesus said, like, hey, John, teach them to obey everything I commanded. So, like, okay, time to teach, right? Of course, from a pulpit, it's probably one of the worst places to do this, actually. Um, the best is just in the nitty-gritty of life, hanging out with people and, and walking in obedience to Jesus and doing those things. So that's, that's my encouragement this week. My encouragement this week is that we begin to practically look at how can we walk in obedience to what Jesus has called so that we can show God, so we can love him the way that God told us to respond in love to him. So that we're not telling God, God, well, I love you, but let me, hey, babe, I love you, but let me show you my way because <laughs> I like my way. <laughs> but we respond to God selflessly and go, you, you, you told us to love you this way, so, so let's do it. Reading the scriptures, spending time with them, and literally writing down, how am I doing this? And when I'm not, saying, let's do it. This is, my, this is a chance for growth. 
chance for growth. Man, if we could grab hold of that, that'd be huge. I'd love to have some people come back next week and say, John, I walked in a new step of obedience to Jesus, and I did this this week. Tell me, or text me, or call me. Seriously, let me know. Like, we can encourage one another. That's what we're supposed to do, right? That's a step of obedience, to stir one another up to love and good works. Have you, how have you done that? You may come up and go, John, I don't like talking in front of the church. You don't have to. I mean, you can stir up people another way, but that might be a step of obedience for you. Jesus, I don't like to talk in front of the church, but you've told me to do it, and I want to show you how much I love you. So I'm going to do something really uncomfortable right now. I'm going to share a way that I did it. you get it? This is what it's like. It's so cool. It's so cool. Father, Lord, we, we, you're incredible. Lord, Father, I just think even on this passage, and I'm thinking about how amazing it is that you've revealed yourself through Jesus. And even as I say that, I recognize that now you're revealing yourself through us through your obedient servants, through your, those who are, who are yielded to you and who love you and who just, I can't wait to do what you say, Lord. Lord, I ask for forgiveness in my life. Lord, I repent, for, and I do. I genuinely repent, God, for the places in my life where I'm, I'm not walking obedience, whether it's due to just ignorance or I've forgotten that you've said to do that or... Uh, whether it's just willful, I just don't like that, God. I, I, I just, I repent, Lord. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, <clears throat> that, that this week, that all of us here would be really intentional about showing you our love. That, Lord, that it would be as simple as us waking up <laughs> in the morning and saying, not just saying, but saying, I love you, Father. I love you, Son. I love you, Holy Spirit. And then us getting into the Word, asking you to reveal and say, God, how can I show you that I love you today? And when you reveal through scripture you tell us lord what to do that we would just do it that we would have boldness even when it's hard even when it's difficult that you're worth it like that's it jesus you are worth it you are worth us doing really difficult things because we love you and jesus as a community we want to show you that we don't want to just say it we want to show you that we're that you are worth us doing hard and challenging things because you're just that good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take, uh, as they just play a little bit of guitar, let's just take a few more moments as we've been doing just to listen, meditate on what we've read, and if someone feels like they have something to share, uh, we can do that.